WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 178, all about the Silmarillion, of the Rings of Power and the Third Age, being the 178th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time. And right now I am reading the Silmarillion so you don't have to. And actually, I can now officially say I have completed reading the Silmarillion so you don't have to. Today I am joined once again by New Better Do Better, who has declared that we are feuding over the Silmarillion. (laughs) We are enemies. This is you are my arch nemesis now. So, you know, I'm ready to spar. I'm ready to spar. Let's go. You've completed the book. Let's see. Let's have some some back and forth. Let's have some discourse here. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I feel like um there can't be that much back and forth because I feel like anything I've read has just been erased from my brain. <laughs> it's gone. It was like in one ear and out the other. I was reta- I was retaining it for a while and then um that those like two months off to watch Rings of Power. And then now coming back, especially to these last two sections, which are pretty prominent with the Rings of Power show, actually. Yeah. So now my brain is all confused and conflicting, you know, the the two different storylines that we've got going on. So I'll give you credit. The Calabeth, extremely hard to retain. Okay. A lot of names. Oh, it's so many. Oh my gosh. A lot of names. So, (laughs) um, why don't you? Since uh, the last time you were on, actually, I think I had you on for the the season premiere, right? I can't. I can't remember. You came on at at some point to discuss some episodes. I can't remember either. Yeah, I've been on so many podcasts and doing so many podcasts. I know, right? My brain is mush (laughs) as well. Yeah. Um, but since the, the show has finished since you've last been on, why don't you t- give us a quick, um, you know, wrap up of what your your thoughts and feelings were with season one? OK, yeah. So I thought season one was pretty good. I definitely thought there was room for improvement. There were some things I absolutely loved, some things I absolutely did not love. Um, but overall, I give this season like a 7.5 or 8. Uh, pretty good, but not like perfect. Um, I loved the. Uh, the stuff they did with, um, you know, the relationship with Disa and um, oh my Doran, gosh, right? Amazing, great. I thought the Hobbits did a really good job. Where, as a lot of people thought that the Hobbits were going to be nonsensical, didn't make sense. They really grounded the story, brought heart to the story. Mm-hmm. I love that. I absolutely love Elrond and Doran's relationship. Really brought humor, and then Elrond, um, Elrond's relationship with his father that he spoke of, you know, that gives you some nostalgia there. And then uh, Durin's just range, Durin's range of emotions was probably one of the best things I've seen. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I think the dwarves were, I've said it a million times, so the listeners are probably like, we get it already. But I think the dwarves were like the highlight of the season. And I don't think, they were amazing. I feel like they didn't necessarily, the showrunners, I feel like they didn't necessarily know that the dwarves were going to do so well, you know? Yeah. Um, Galadriel, uh, what I had been saying kind of played out. So I was happy with that. I said, give it some time for her exposition, for her to change. And then you saw in the last two episodes, her learning from her mistakes and then some, you know, what, what Gilgalad actually said came true. So I actually was like, okay, she's learning. 
this is her changing because everybody was like, well, why is she acting like this? Ah, but like, you gotta, it's a character arc. You yeah, know, they kind of they kind of used first age Gladriel and did it second age just for something for her to be doing and for you know for there to be a big yeah. Story. It's more it's more interesting to watch a character grow and change and make mistakes than it is to just start out with someone yeah. who is already like you know second age Galadriel who's experienced everything. It, it's more interesting. It makes for more interesting yeah. stories and everything to watch that happening. Yeah, so I, I I like that. I wish it would have happened a bit sooner. There were some pacing mm. issues. Um, I loved Halbrand. I I called that from first time I saw him. Said that's Sauron. So uh, people had you know I I did various bets. You know what I'm saying? So I won that. I was right on top of that. Called Gandalf being the stranger. I won that. You know what I'm saying? So my foresight is is strong. It's, it's very much like Galadriel. Um, I absolutely did not like what they did with the Mithril at all. Um, yeah, that was, that was confusing. Really poor decision is what it is. Um, also, the ending, I love the two um, reveals, but I thought the rings of power that were made were rushed and they were backwards. Mm. So as being a, a lore person, I had a problem with that, but I see what they're doing and hopefully the second season they can they can come back and, and kind of like rework it and say, okay, this is what we're doing. We're setting it up so now Anderson can come in and, and make these other rings. This is why Galadriel and Elrond don't trust them. Galadriel Galad already doesn't trust anybody. So that giving us a reason or excuse as to why they wouldn't trust anybody. Oh, yeah, She's already that's been true. Fooled. She's already been fooled. Now she won't trust anybody. And now going forward, and, and she won't tell on herself, and Elrond won't tell on her. So they're going to just be like, I don't know this person. It could be, I don't want, nope, don't have this person come to uh, Linden. You know what I'm saying? Or or, or Rhaegion. And then Keller Brimble, we all know he he just wants to, to do cool shit, make cool things. So he's gonna listen to anybody. And we saw that. But um yeah, so next season, as long as it's all about Sauron or Anatar or whoever, it should be great. And I think they have a lot of room to grow, learn from their mistakes. Um, but overall it was fine. The season was good. Um, but they have a lot of room to improve and to really strengthen the show and then to really just show that, you know, they they, they have real gold line here that they can if they listen to you know what i'm saying i think if they listen to people and they say okay hmm, did, what worked what didn't work and move forward i think it'd be good but overall it was it was pretty good um not perfect pretty good room for growth i think we have an opportunity to get like an amazing second season you know so that's what i'm looking forward to yeah yeah a lot of similar thoughts with me as well um Ba- backing up a bit to how you were talking about the the show and how they dealt with the making of the rings of power and stuff let's let's dive into what that lore is because last week's episode we did the first half of of the rings of power and the third age and that is when the rings of power are forged in the canon but my guest and I were very confused <laughs> because it just kind of he just kind of says it in one sentence like and the rings of power were made so I know you know exactly like the order of everything and what's happening but we were we were confused because it seemed like okay so the rings were made and then and then he and then Sauron makes the one ring, but then the elves keep the their rings are somehow hidden from Sauron. And then the dwarven rings, uh, Sauron like gives them to them and then they and then he wants them back later. We were very confused. So if you could let, you know, get it straight with us before before we move forward, that would be great. 
All right. So when when Sauron comes in to uh, you know into Middle Earth and reappears, and he he comes in as Anatar, and he first you know he's trying to um, he's trying to go to the Elven kingdoms. He's looking to corrupt the elves or influence the elves because they're the most powerful. So he's not looking at men. He's not looking at the dwarves. He's looking at the most powerful beings who he can influence and 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 have sway over. So automatically the elves. Um, so that's where he goes. Uh, he's not admitted into Linden because they're like, I don't know who you are. Uh, I don't trust this. So Gilgalad's like, no. Galadriel and Elrond are like, no. Celebrimbor very much wants to, you know, uh, get out of the shadow of his grandfather. He wants to be a great, you know, he wants to make a name for himself, do something great, preserve, do, make a powerful thing, just like you see in the show. So he is open to someone being able to teach him. He says that he's an emissary from the Valar and that he has great knowledge. He's called Anatar the Gift Giver. So who else better than him to, to teach Celebrimbor something? And Celebrimbor goes to Aragion, is welcome there, and he uh, uses his corruption there. And he stays there for uh, hundreds of years and teaches the elves all kinds of things of craft. Remember, Sauron is a student of Aula. He was one of his greatest students. So he knows things that nobody knows. And he is a great uh, craftsman as well. So he teaches the elves of Aragion, you know, great crafts and how to make lesser rings. And, and they're making like, you know, they're, they're just practicing basically until it's time to make the rings of power. And then they, they create the 16 rings of power. They okay. create 16 rings of power. And these rings are only for the elves. Okay. And they, he teaches them the arts of how to do this. And they make them. Then Celebrimbor, you know, being him, you know, being the greatest smith besides his grandfather, he wants to make rings of his own, you know. So he uses the craft that Sauron taught him to make these same three rings. But he does not tell Anatar, who is Sauron, that he made the three oh. rings. So Sauron never touched the three, but they were made with the same craft that was taught to Celebrimbor by Sauron, by Anatar. So now there's 19 rings of power. So Sauron's whole plan is to create the one ring, put his power into the one ring so it is, you know, strong enough to control all the other rings. Because once he does that and they have those rings on, he can conceive anything mm -hmm. they've right. done. He can control them through the rings. He can he can control what they've made and what they've he can control any of that type of thing, you know, control their hearts and minds through these rings. That's his whole plan. So he can rule the world. So when he makes the one ring, he does it, puts most of his power into that ring. So it's something potent enough to control the other rings. Mm -hmm. And even though the three weren't touched by him, they still are under the sway of the one because they were made by the same art. So that same art that, okay. that connects the rings is what gets Sauron caught out there. Because once he puts the one ring on his finger and he says the words, you know, uh, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and then the darkness bind them. The elves are aware of him because the rings are connected. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, this is Sauron the whole time. The jig is up. So they take off their rings. So Sauron's plan does not work. Okay. Okay. okay? So originally he and Celebrimbor together make what 16. become the nine rings for the men and, and the seven rings for the dwarves. Yes, but they were only okay. for elves. They weren't for but they, men. Or, yeah, they weren't they divided weren't up that. yet. They okay. weren't divided up and they were only for elves. The elves possessed them. Okay. Okay. And then Celebrimbor has the three. So there's 19 rings of power. And then Sauron makes the one, puts the one on. They're aware of him. So they take all their rings off. Mm -hmm. and, and then Sauron goes, you know what? Since that didn't work, he goes to Aragion and 
and declares open war on them. He, he says, you guys got to give me the rings because I told you how to make them. You wouldn't have been able to make them without my craft. So mm. give me the rings back. They're basically mine. And they like hide the rings from him. And he go, he goes to open war with the Region and he ret- uh, he regains 16 of the 19 rings of power that okay, are out right. at the elves. Celebrimbor hides the three, he gives them to Gilgalad and Galadriel. So they are gone. They are hidden. The other 16 are recovered because he's captured Celebrimbor and he's torturing him. And he's like trying to get the, the whereabout of the three. He wants the three because those rings are more powerful than the other 16. Mm. They have the power to preserve and to, to do all this crazy stuff. Whereas the other rings are, you know, they just basically, you know, they stretch your life and res- preserve your life. Um, but they don't have the power of the three, whereas they can like protect your kingdom and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they turn they turn you into wraiths and things like that, which the three don't. So Sauron wants the three and Celebrimbor won't tell him. So eventually he kills Celebrimbor and now he completely wipes Aragion from the face of the he, com- he completely destroys Aragion. So now right. he has the 16. He he does his Sauron thing and redistributes them because he, you know, he can shapeshift. So he redistributes the rings. He gives nine to men who are ready as to his will. They want power. They want to be kings. He gives them the warriors, sorcerers, and kings of old. And they get the nine and eventually they become the ring race. Right. He gives seven to the dwarves. The dwarven rings, unfortunately, for him, don't work on the dwarves because they were created by Owlet. Right. Well, and also yeah. it's it, it mentions that the dwarves are very stubborn and they are stubborn, not, yeah. you know, ab- as easily corruptible under under mm-hmm. those rings. So, yeah. okay, okay. It's it's making a lot more sense now. <laughs> this is why you don't see any dwarven race because their rings don't work like that. But they do make the dwarves more greedy and yes. make them like gold and lustful for things like that. And that brings different kind of problems to the dwarves to, to help Sauron out anyway. So the dwarves end up getting hordes. Each ring at the center of each ring is, is, a, is a gold hoard that the seven dwarf lords have because the rings help them obtain gold and power and stuff like that. And they like they're like completely greedy. And then dragons come because dragons hoard gold. And there's wars between the dwarves and dragons. So four of the rings are de- four of the rings are devoured by dragons, mm-hmm. and three of the rings Sauron gets back okay. and he possesses them, and he, e- he even has them in the Fellowship of the Ring. He tries to redistribute them to the dwarves again, but he 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 gets those three back. So there's three dwarven rings left. The other four are destroyed, and the nine he has the nine, and he has them completely under his sway. Okay. And so you know that. Gilgalad had two. He gave one to Círdan, and then Círdan ended up giving that ring to Gandalf. So Gandalf has the red ring of fire. Elrond, after Gilgalad died, got Gilgalad's ring, which is okay. the ring of of the air. And then we got Galadriel with the ring of water. Okay. And that's where the three are. The nine are with the nine, and then the three Sauron possesses, and yeah. the other four are destroyed okay. by dragon fire. Woo! Oh my gosh, L- listeners. By the way. He does not have it. He doesn't have his book up. He doesn't have his notes in front of him. He just recited. He just knows all of that. That's incredible. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, thank you so much for that clarification. I was very confused, and I know that I conveyed a lot of that confusion through to my listeners. So we got all that cleared up, um, and and we know where the One Ring is now in in this point in the story which is that Isildur has it, 
Dun, dun, dun. So picking up now where we left off last week, um, Sauron is defeated, question mark. We'll see about that. Um, uh, yes, Gilgalad died in the battle. Same with Elendil. We know all of those things. And Isildur, just like we see, um, you know, Elrond recounting in, in Fellowship of the Ring, saying, you know, that was the day men failed and saying, cast it into the fire. Iconic, iconic moment. <laughs> um, I, I I beg to differ. So, oh, you oh you beg to differ what that it's an iconic moment. <laughs> I mean, a very iconic moment in film wise, but Isildur is a great, great hero. He's a great leader, great hero. And he because of the movies, people tend to think he's a bad guy or, or whatever the case may mm. have you when that's absolutely not the truth. It did, uh, did kind of have to like condense it down to just yeah. convey the idea that Isildur had the chance to destroy the One Ring, but obviously we know the One Ring corrupts, and so he wasn't able to throw it into, yeah. you know, and destroy it. Um, and yeah, it happens much more slowly here, I, I think. The ring that he held seemed to him exceedingly fair to look on, and he would not suffer it to be destroyed. And so that's, you know, that's that moment where it's, or not moment, but um, you see it over time, kind of. He's like, I can't destroy it. This is, this is my precious, you know? Yeah. The, the, the weird thing that nobody really knows, like when you're reading that is no one is able to destroy the ring. It's not, it's not able to be done. So it's a mood point saying, getting mad at anybody for not destroying it. Or if, at the very least, if you're going to get mad at Isildur, get mad at Frodo get mad at anybody because no one's able to destroy it it was destroyed by mischance yeah i i that still that still always blows my mind um when i you know was reading for the first time and discovered how it was destroyed and i'm like oh so frodo frodo didn't do it it was a complete accident <laughs> <laughs> yeah nobody has the strength of will to yeah. destroy the ring so, I yeah. think Sam could have done it. I think if Sam had the ring, he could have done it. <laughs> and Sildor kept it because uh, he said it was a way. If you know his story, you kind of almost sympathize why he kept the ring. He lost everything at this point. Everything. He lost his entire family, his kingdom, everything. And he was like, I'm not throwing this. Away. You know what I mean? I'm not destroying this. Down. This is a wear guild for my, my brother and my father. And like... You know, and it wasn't it wasn't like done out of like malicious intent. Like, really, you just like, man, this is all everything I lost. Man, at least I'm going to keep the enemy's, you know, treasure like, you know. Yeah, so. that's true. I hadn't. Yeah, I hadn't considered all of that. Yeah. Um, But either way, Isildur meets his end. He is uh taken by a or not taken like uh overwhelmed by a host of orcs, it says while they're traveling and there's mm -hmm. this battle and he falls into a river um, and puts the ring on because it gives him invisibility. Um, mm -hmm. And there the ring betrayed him and avenged its maker for it slipped from his finger as he swam and it was lost in the water. So here mm -hmm. we have this introduction of the idea of the ring kind of having a mind of its own and always wanting to go back to its owner or getting or putting itself in a place where it'll be more likely to get back to Sauron. And then, yeah, he obviously becomes visible again and he is killed. So rest in peace, Isildur. Um, I'm sure that'll be much more tragic for us to 
see play out in the show if they go that far in the in the timeline um because we'll have gotten to really know a silder by that point you know mm-hmm. yeah especially in the show yeah meanwhile so mo- most of this the the rest of this section by the way listeners most of it is setting things up so that they play out how we saw them play out in Lord of the Rings. Um, mm-hmm. The shards of Narsil, El- uh, Elendil's sword that broke during the battle, end up in Imladris, or Rivendell. And mm-hmm. Isildur, not Isildur, Elrond uh, foretold that the blade will not be forged again together um, until the One Ring has been found again. Because no. at this point, it's it's been lost and they don't know where it went. Uh, over time, a lot of the men start, it says, the men became divided into petty realms and lordships and their foes devoured them one by one. So we're seeing the, the race of men dwindling and separating and dividing. Um, we see the kind of creation of the Dunedain officially, these these rangers that we see Aragorn become, the group of people that he belongs to before he returns to Gondor. Um, and then what happens next? Oh yeah, Gondor. <laughs> so over in Gondor, Minas Ithil, which used to be Isildur's family's tower, realm, whatever you want to call it, they abandoned it because they had to flee from Sauron. And that turned into Minas Morgul. And then on the other side of the river is Minas Anor, which was his brother Anarion's uh, reign, you know, and you that turned into Minas Tirith. There you go. Look, look at you. You're acting like you don't know this stuff. You know this stuff. I only know it because I wrote it all down. Hey, listen. <laughs> Whatever, whichever way you got to retain it. You know what I'm saying? You got it done. You know what I I'm feel, saying? I feel insane whenever I'm explaining all the... Uh, it's you it's like, have to explain it. Right on the, it's like right the, on the red board. string on a on a wall in a mystery show. It's, it's not hard at all. Mordor and Gondor are right next to each other, separated by the river Anduin. Right? So Sauron is defeated, blah, blah, blah. Before that, they had put two towers to guard... One to guard Mordor to make sure things don't enter or leave. That's Minas Ithil. That is in the basically the Morgul Vale before it's the Morgul Vale. Mm-hmm. And and then they have in Mount uh, Mount Mendoluin. That is on the other side of the river. That is where Minas Tirith is. That is the guard Gondor from the Men of the Dales. Like there's a whole bunch of men that always come attack. You know, uh, the, whether they're Eastlings, uh, whether they're Haradrim, you know, whatever the case. So those two things are are basically guardian towers. And then Gilead is the city that's on the river. That's where they both share their throne. But individually, Anarion has Minas Ithil. Um, Anarion has Minas Anor, and um, Isildur has Minas Ithil. Now, after everything happens, you know, obviously pe- the, the the tower gets taken, and Minas Ithil turns into Minas Morgul. It's no longer the Gondorians don't possess it anymore. You know, and then but they do have Minas uh, Anor, which becomes Minas Tirith, the Tower of Guard, because this is what's where the main city is going to be. And they're going to guard everything. And that's what you know of in the Third Age. Mm -hmm. And that's where the main kingdom of Gondor is now there, as opposed to uh, Skiliath. Yes. Um, And this is where we also have, you know, this huge question of lineage and kingship in Minas Tirith, because... So seemingly 
So Isildur dies. His family has been, you know, away from here roaming about. So his brother's, one of his nephews becomes the king in, in Minas Tirith of Gondor. And it's his lineage for a while. And then there's, uh, I was looking at the, at the, like, lineage tree of the different kings and stuff of Gondor. It's wild because <laughs> it there's a it mentions at some point in in this section that there's a plague that wipes things out. Mm-hmm. Um and you can see if you look up this tree by the way, maybe I'll link it in the episode description. It jumps from like, okay, well now this king and all of his kids die, so I guess his nephew is now the king and then the nephew's like youngest cousin is now the next king, and it kind of does that for a while until the last of Anarion's line dies out, and that is the last king of Gondor until Aragorn Aenor. comes back. So Aenor uh, gets challenged by the Witch King of Angmar to right. single combat, and he goes to Minas Morgul and never comes out again. So then the stewards pick up the line and. We end with Stuart Denethor, where where we uh, where you know of in the third yes. age. Yes. Oh, the Stuart. most tragic part, honestly, of of Lord of the Rings for me is is Denethor and his treatment of his perfect, amazing son Faramir. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> that's not for thousands of years in the future. Yeah, so that's all going on in Gondor. Yeah, meanwhile, Elrond, of course, has the, sh- has the shards of Narsil. They're hanging in, in Rivendell. Um, and yes, these three rings, just like we were we were talking about, um, that the elves have, one goes to Galadriel, and she is in Lorien. Mm-hmm. One goes to Elrond, and he's in Rivendell. And then mm-hmm. it originally went to Círdan, and then... It, it, it the book kind of leaves it up to a little mystery for for a minute it says um that they purposefully kept the third ring hidden so mm-hmm. kirden theoretically has it but they know that he doesn't actually possess it and that they're choosing to keep it hidden just in case um and eventually they are starting to realize that when the one ring is found again and Sauron is his return is inevitable when these things happen like either way the the elves are the the reign of elves their time is going to come to an end one way or another because they're either going to be mm-hmm. controlled and ruled by Sauron yikes or they're going to have to destroy the one ring and in turn destroying the power of their rings so yes. They're they're recognizing that the the age of elves is going to it's time for an end after th- after you know three ages I think it's time and that the dominion of men will begin. Yeah. There's some little shadows rustling around in Mirkwood, and that is where Sauron, like the first rumors and whisperings, start happening that Sauron is coming back and he is rising to power once again. Then, oh, it doesn't even say. So I think we we know and we can assume that they were sent by the Valar, but it just says um, there appeared in the west of Middle Earth the Istari, 
so it doesn't even say, oh, yeah, the Valar sent them. It just says they appeared. So that's very, <laughs> you know, fantastical. <laughs> um, yeah. And these are these are our wizards. Yep. In case anyone is curious. So we know Gandalf's elven name is Mithrandir. But if you didn't know, Saruman is Kurunir. And then I don't even think it, it does mention Radagast. Radagast doesn't get an elven name. At least I don't think it mentions it here. And then it says the other two uh, went into the east and do not come into these tales. So <laughs> I want to back up, though, because when we were talking about our uh, like ring, your rings of power recap, you said, oh, I knew that the stranger was Gandalf. I don't necessarily know. We know that he's a wizard, right? And I think it's heavily implied that it's Gandalf. But here... It says that um, of these, Kurunir was the eldest and came first. And after him came Mithrandir and Radagast. So what if they're leading us to believe that the stranger is Gandalf, but it's actually Saruman? He's shaking his head, listeners. (laughs) So one of the reasons that can't be the case is because the only wizard that is fully aware of hobbits is Gandalf. The other wizard, like Gandalf, um, Saruman knows about the hobbits because of Gandalf. And Radagast never encounters him. He doesn't even know where the Shire is or anything. We know that from the Fellowship of the Ring. And then the other two go straight into the east. So mm-hmm. they're, they're setting it up to be Gandalf. I I do I do think it, it it is Gandalf. I'm just thinking of what if they were playing this a diff- to go a different way to, you know, I don't know. Another plot twist or something. And so maybe let's say let's say the stranger was Saruman. Something really tragic is going to happen to make him not care at all about the hobbits. You know? Yeah. We'll we'll see. Yeah, I don't know either. I I do think they're they're really pushing on uh, Gandalf. Saruman's been a jerk from from a long a longer time than a lot a lot of people know. I know. Yeah, I don't I don't think Saruman would have been that nice to nori as the stranger was so <laughs> i do agree there we'll see we'll see it's just, possible just, that- you know just some theories just putting it out there we have you know two years to <laughs> to talk yeah, about this a little, a little bit of time a little bit of time to think about it <laughs> um yeah. or maybe saruman has already been there and that's who nori and the str- I'm still calling him the stranger because it doesn't feel right to call him Gandalf yet, you know? Gandalf. The, 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 the follow my nose and the moth, he's Gandalf. Yeah, I think so. I think so too, yeah. But um, <laughs> it's still, he's not, I don't know, he's like not our Gandalf yet, so. Not yet, not yet. But, and um, he doesn't have a name. Yeah, so but that's... anyway, what if like when they're traveling, they're like, they find Saruman and he's already been there for a while and he's like, hey. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, like I said, two years. Two years to theorize and think. Now you're thinking. Now you're thinking like I'm thinking. (laughs) Like you said, Saruman, from the beginning, has kind of been not not a bad guy from the beginning, but definitely has those seeds and tendencies. Yeah. You know, he's a little mad about things. Like when he wasn't made the leader of the White Council, he doesn't like that. He's envious of, of Sauron's power. You know, he's, his lore is the study of the rings. And then because of that, he's like, I wish I had my own rings. I was, I was just, like, I'm, I'm going to find his ring. I'm yeah. going to replace Sauron. Like he's, you know, he doesn't, he starts to not care about things he should care about. He just, he's, 
it's, it becomes fell. He, mm-hmm. the, what they don't want to happen to the Astari when they go over, it happens to him. They yeah. don't want the Astari to get why, corrupted. Do we think that's why? Is that why they sent the additional ones? Because they they had a feeling. They're like, well, okay, there's Plan A. Now let's send Plan B, Plan C, Plan. What, what's the alphabet? D and E. <laughs> I don't think that was necessarily the case. I think they just were like, okay, we're limiting their we're limiting their power. We need to at least make it so they can be formidable to an extent, at least with a few of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like because they they don't want to go over there with full power because then it's like the easier you'll fall. So they were like, no, you're not allowed to display full your full po- power. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the Astari are nerfed comparatively. Like Oloran is Gandalf. He he'd be much stronger in his Oloran form. You know, he's grounded into his physical form as the wizard in in the as in the, in the, in the Astari form. Um, but somebody like Saruman is going to use more power than he should. He's going to, you know, do things like that. And that's what they were hoping wouldn't happen because it's easier to get corrupted the more power you use. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why you'll notice Gandalf never says he's going to directly challenge Sauron. He's like, no, I, I inspire others to do that because it's not his place. They yeah. don't want him to do They want you to inspire to, because they don't want somebody else to take the dark place, dark lord's place. So Gandalf is wise enough to know this. He's very humble and in his beginnings, this is why they chose him. They said, you know what? He knows what he's talking about. He's going to be the leader. And then, you know, he doesn't want to be the leader. So he lets Saruman be the leader. But Saruman's kind of like. And that doesn't go that according doesn't to go plan. Well yeah. with him. He's kind of very jealous of that. Also, the fact that the Red Ring was given to him by Kirdan is, it doesn't go over well. Like, it's like, you know, Kirdan sees something in Gandalf. He sees, uh, yeah. uh, pity, uh, you know, he, he has. Uh, understanding of pity and, and stuff. And that's from his teachings from being uh, uh, one of the students of Nienna. And, um, you know, he's, he's he has understands, you know, pity and how it can actually rule the fate of men. And this is what he tells um, Roto when he's talking about Bilbo not killing, uh, he kept not killing Gollum. And then at the very end of the movie, or the book rather, both, it's Bilbo's pity that ends up saving the world because he, if he would have killed Gollum, the ring would have never got destroyed. So understanding that pity and the fact that Frodo didn't kill Gollum because Gandalf told him that, that whose tutelage ruled the world? Gandalf's. Yeah, yeah. man. Powerful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Saruman goes kind of among the realm of men and gets close close with them, learns from them and teaches them to. Mithrandir is closest with the elves and Radagast is with all the, the creatures. Oh, the, oh, the creatures and the birds. Um, and and yeah, we don't know about the other two wizards. I would be really, I would love to see them in the show. I think if they somehow pulled that off to pull to to do some stuff with the other two wizards, I think would be so cool. Since we know nothing about them, it would be really great to see that. Mithrandir, Gandalf. I'm probably gonna alternate between those two just because the the text right now is just calling him Mithrandir. Um. He he starts getting some some he starts getting a gut feeling, you know, he's like something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um and he goes to Dol Guldur and sees that oh yeah, uh Saruman is coming back. 
it's happening and it's happening now and we need to do something about this. They put together this council, like we said. Galadriel indeed had wished that Mithrandir should be the head of the council, and Sauron begrudged them that, for his pride and desire of mastery was grown great. But Mithrandir refused the office, since he would have no ties and no allegiance, save to those who sent him, and he would abide in no place, nor be subject to any summons." And so now this is when Saruman is really interested in the rings of power and starts looking into it. And then finally, it's kind of coming to a head and they're having a meeting. And Mithrandir and Elrond are both kind of like, yeah, I think, you know, I think the one ring is still out there. I think it's very close to being found. Sauron is close to, to returning. And Saruman says... For I believe not that the one will ever be found again in Middle-earth. Into Anduin it fell, and long ago, I deem, it was rolled to the sea. There it shall lie until the end, when all this world is broken and the deeps are removed. And boy, does he come to eat his words later. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's saying that on purpose, you know. He's, t- he's telling them, hey, the ring's lost, because he wants to find it himself. So mm. he actually has people searching the river. While all this is happening, he's trying to bide his time and and mis- give them misdirection so they they won't search for the ring. So they're not on their guard and he's trying to find it. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, meanwhile, during this meeting, I'm sure Gandalf and Elrond are just making eye contact like we'll we'll have to we'll have to come up with a plan on our own. We'll have yeah. to do something else. We'll get back to you on that. Yeah. Saruman sees that some of Sauron's spies are are looking near the river, and then he asks he asks Radagast to like borrow some of his birds, and I'm sure Radagast was like, "Sure, why do you need them?" And Saruman's like, "Uh." <laughs> Um, spies, I'm gonna, they're gonna help me look for the one ring. But still, at this point, everyone thinks that he's on their side. And I don't think I realized that Saruman's, like, deception had started this early. I thought it was much later in the game, like, after Bilbo found the ring and everything. I thought it was much later. So it's very surprising that, like, he was able to deceive everyone of his allegiances and his motivations for that long yeah he's uh he's a he's a trip man Sarman's no joke he's very smart he was very close to finding the ring too that's the scariest part very close this is where like i have to like go back on my word from i don't know maybe a year ago now from when i was watching the hobbit movies because anytime it cut to gandalf's side of the plot i was very confused A lot of it was really ridiculous. I do still stand by the fact that in that final battle that um, it's in, what's the last one called? The army, the the battle of five armies. armies. That's it. Oh my gosh. In the the final Hobbit trilogy movie, there's the quote unquote final battle between Sauron and Gandalf and Elrond and Galadriel and everything. I do still think that is an absolute, it was an absolutely ridiculous like the like cinematically i don't know it was ridiculous I thought it was the worst thing ever yeah <laughs> it's it's nuts Very but crazy. all of that essentially kind of did happen they did have yeah. this showdown with sauron in this kind of like in between form 
and they banish him. He, you know, they kind of, it's another thing where it's like, okay, well, we defeated him, but just for a little bit. He's yeah, still- Yeah, we drove him out of Dolgo Door. You know, we drove him out of this stronghold and, you know, pushed him out of here. So now, you know, he has to go retreat and hide somewhere else. Yeah, we've bought we've bought ourselves some time here. Um, but yeah, I was reading this and I'm like, oh, you're kidding! All of that crazy stuff that I watched in The Hobbit actually did happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Glad you threw down a tower, but uh, it was all it was all a plot of Sauron. He he tricked them. He let them win, and mm. he went back to the Mordor. So it was he feigned to, to flee, like he act like he was, you know, he's like, oh, but he's the whole time he was. You know, misdirecting them, you know, doing a Kansas City shuffle, uh, you know, so they look one way and then he has an open avenue to rebuild Mordor and, and Barador, his stronghold. While they're pushing him out of there, everything, all his beings and creatures are going back into Mordor and rebuilding it and fortifying it. And then he goes there and not too soon after declares himself. So it was all a plot on his his. You know, he did that on purpose, and I, 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 that's why one of the reasons I really love Sauron. He's super smart, and it was ingenious, you know. They're like, oh, we, we, we did it, but he let them do that, you know, to think, you know, so they could really think that they did something. But meanwhile, he just it was a trick. Yeah. And now you really he thought you did something there, back. didn't you? And we see how hard his stronghold is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, they're still super unsure of where the ring is. And then the funniest thing happens. Um... <laughs> It was found by one of the small fisher folk that dwelt by the river, and by its finder, it was brought beyond search into dark, hiding under the roots of the mountains. Um, and it stays there for a while. It was found again by a wayfarer, fleeing into the depths of the earth from the pursuit of the orcs, and passed into a far distant country, even to the land of the Perian. Perianoth, the little people, the halflings, who dwelt in the west of Eriador. So here is, that's the plot of The Hobbit, everyone, in case you were wondering if it sounded familiar. <laughs> so this is, you know, it's sharing everything that Mithrandir is doing, that Gandalf is doing to prevent the One Ring from coming back to Sauron, to prevent the rise of Sauron. And then meanwhile, he has time to go on this little side quest with Bilbo and the dwarves to to the Misty Mountains with all the tro the trolls and it's just so funny when you put like the Hobbit this like sweet little you know fairy tale bedtime story into the larger context of this universe is so funny to me Ooh. They put some of the the Junadine on on guard kind of like patrolling around what you know we know as the Shire essentially um, patrolling around this area of land kind of keeping an eye on things just in case something happens and then sure enough things happen uh Ar Aragorn son of Erthorn um where is it the the nine and th oh so 39th heir in the right line from Isildur mm -hmm. um he comes back and battles, all that stuff that we know has happened. Um, it says, for Frodo the halfling, it is said, at the bidding of Mithrandir, took on himself the burden, and alone with his servant, poor Sam, <laughs> and alone with his servant, he passed through peril and darkness and came at last in Sauron, 
and came at last in Sauron's, despite even to Mount Doom. And there into the fire where it was wrought, he cast the great ring of power, not exactly how it happened. And so at last it was unmade and it's evil consumed. There you go. Crazy. Um, and and we learn and you know the the tree of of Gondor starts flowering again. Mm-hmm. Aragorn returns to the throne, um, and Mithrandir and the rest of the elves are setting sail, setting forth to the Undying Land. Since, like we said, they knew that that the time of the elves is at its end. It's time for them to move onward and. This is where we learn that Círdan had given Mithrandir his ring. Yeah. Um, question, does Círdan go with them or is he still He's there? He's the last person to go to Valinor. He is in charge of ferrying everyone back and forth. And he has never been to Valinor. He, he never wanted to go until finally, like, he's finally, like, resolved to go. Like, he's the oldest living being in Middle-earth. And he and he and he once all the L's are over, he finally goes over, and he's the last person to go over. So does he just like get in a little rowboat by himself? I'm assuming he just takes one of his his you know his ships. He's the shipwright, so. <laughs> yeah, but you got to have a crew to operate that, right? There's no way he unless he know. has. Kid, he was taught by the Valor. Uh, he was taught by Yanway, uh, not Yanway. No, he's taught by Ose and 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 Olmo and stuff. The the art of sailing. So I think he can manage it himself. Oh, okay, he, okay. He at least did go with the crew. And, you know, he was just, a, you know, they were the last ones to arrive. But Yeah, yeah. Man, Kierden is a very interesting character who's just kind of in the background of most of this. I've never really thought about it that much. He does a lot. He actually plays major parts. And for him being one of the Falathrum in, um, you know, in Valerian that's, you know, on the coast, he interacts and knows a lot of everything that's happened. And he, he literally raised Gilgalad, raised Elrond in them. And like he, he, you know, they had a poor, they were raised by their foster, um, you know, Maglor and, and Maethros. But then, you know, he got them after that. And, and you know, they were brought up. It was it was Círdan at a, uh, quite the influence on on modern Middle Earth, the, the, the third age Middle Earth. Because of mm. everything he's seen, he's got to be the wisest. He's got to have the most knowledge of everything, yeah. you know, that's happened. You know, he's from Quivienen, where no one there in the Middle Earth at that time was from Quivienen except for Kirin. And he's the only elf with the goatee, the beard. <laughs> I don't think I ever knew that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, he's the only elf with a beard. Anyway, yeah, um, Galadriel, Elrond... Mithrandir, and then of course it doesn't mention here, but Frodo and Bilbo join them as well, and they go off with the three rings, elven rings. In the twilight of autumn, it sailed out of Mithland into until the seas of the bent world fell away beneath it, and the winds of the round sky troubled it no more. And born upon the high and born upon the high airs above the mists of the world, it passed into the ancient west, and an end was come for the Eldar of story and of song. The mm-hmm. end. The elves, they, the elves they, they they dwindle and they go out of uh, you know they 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 dwindle in in Valinor and they they wane and the um, men wax. It's the time of men in the fourth age. So. Hmm. 
I think I mean yeah. they've had they've had three ages. I think it's it's they've time. had more than three ages. We just started at the uh in, in the uh, when the sun rises. That's the start of the, the f- first oh, age. But the okay, elves, so there's like a a zero age, age. Yeah, they like the, the the years of the trees are uncounted technically. That doesn't count as age. The elves mm. were there um, before the trees. You know what I'm saying? Like the elves were there. Yeah. Well, right, not not before the trees, but they were there for quite some time. Well, um, I feel like I've been reading this book for three ages. Um, Remember when Melko was captured, that was three ages he had to be in, captured in, in, in um, the Halls of Mandos. And the elves were uh, around. They were in Valinor at that time. Oh. Yeah, and then, then the time of the trees, you know, uh, they, they were there after that, you know, and then before they even left, Melko was, was free for a long time. You know, influencing them and and tricking them and stuff, and then then finally the sun rose, and that's the beginning of the first age that lasted for five hundred and something years, and the second age three thousand something years, third age three thousand something years. So Kieran is oldest. Excuse my language. <laughs> uh, he is. Yeah, that's pretty crazy scale of events. Um, that's all all started with uh, some darkness and then music and then uh, some trees and then a, a giant spider. I, I, I'm, I'm noticing that you, for somebody who doesn't like the Silmarillion, you seem to know an awful lot, man. I, I, I know vaguely. <laughs> I think I, that's the thing. I think I like, I, I have the gist of it now. Yeah. Now you're getting if, the gist of it. If someone, if a more casual Lord of the Rings fan were to talk to me and and ask me about like, oh, what's the Silmarillion or what are the Silmarils, um, you know, and again, interested to see what is going to happen with the Rings of Power show and what they will and won't be able to go into um, depending on what rights they have and everything. But um, I think if if someone were to ask me like, what's up with the Silmarils? Who's Feanor, you know, who's Melkor? I think I would be able to generally explain it. Actually, I would—I don't know how I would do this, but I kind of want to do like an episode of Drunk History, but it's Drunk Silmarillion, and I just get drunk and I try to recount the the Silmarillion <laughs> to someone. Hey, make it happen. <laughs> oh my god, um, we need. A lot of alcohol. Um, so <laughs> it's well, a big story. It's a long story. I think we'd be know, there all night, you know? I'll make some time for you. You know what I'm saying? You can drink. I can just listen. I know. Well, um, I know Don does uh, tipsy Tolkien. So yeah. maybe I could. Cu- I, I, th- my problem is that I have all these ideas and then I have zero execution. So we'll, I, I we'll believe come back you're going to make it happen. You're passionate. You're passionate. You're going to make it happen. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> alcohol. There you go. You're in there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I brought I brought you on for this very monumental episode where I'm finishing the Silmarillion because I mean I joke a lot about hating the Silmarillion and it's I, I do kind of think it's the worst book ever created, but <laughs> I brought you on because you are so passionate about it. Um and I don't know. Do you do you want to give a, a quick little cl- closing? Not an argument, because I I still always, you know, when people are passionate and excited about things, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, 
So you're not having to defend the Silmarillion, but do you want to give a closing statement about the Silmarillion? <laughs> I stand. I stand by my uh, love for the Silmarillion. I think that it is the greatest work of Tolkien. It uh, culminates everything and ties everything together. Um, you'll get a real appreciation for it. Not maybe after one read, maybe not even after two reads, but multiple reads, it, it's, it'll sink in. And I still have faith that absolutely even you will love it. You, you, you're going to have whoa moments where you're like, wow, I did not realize that. Because when you, you're so caught up in trying to understand something, sometimes you don't understand it. You don't get what, you know, you don't, you're too close to it to see right, yeah. what's happening. And then sometimes out of nowhere, like it, like if it didn't happen to me, I wouldn't say it to you. It's not mm-hmm. like I got the Silmarillion my mm-hmm. first time. It took me five times trying to read the book to finally be like, oh, Eureka. You know, so it's, it's not like I'm expecting you to be like, oh, I love this. It's my favorite thing. But if you give it a chance and you really want that, if you want it, if you don't care about it, then it could be a headache. It could be a headache. And it was like a drab. It was like a drag. Fine. But if you really are set on like understanding Tolkien's works as a whole, the, the Lord of the Rings and, and, and everything that happened within it, the Silmarillion is key. And and it is monumental. And it's once you get it, you got it. Like once you get it, it becomes different. It becomes different than how you're looking at it, like an assignment or an essay or like a, a problem. It mm-hmm. becomes different. It completely flips on its head and becomes a blessing. It becomes like, you know what I'm saying? Like you have the knowledge, you have the, it, it's it, it really lends so well to the Lord of the Rings it's ridiculous. It gives so, so much back to the Lord of the Rings that you become like, like empowered. And you're like, I can't, I can't believe I didn't know this or I didn't get this. I didn't connect this or it, it, it makes everything brighter. So it's my, that's my argument. Just give it a chance. If you want to, if you, if you're not about to- that token life, mm-hmm. stick with the Lord of the Rings. It's cool. You don't gotta be, everybody doesn't have to be a, a, a Silmarillion expert. Everybody that's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. All right, the the prosecution stands. I'm banging a gavel. I know nothing about how a courtroom works. Um, Beautiful, (laughs) beautiful words. Wonderful sentiments um, that I'm sure a lot of listeners also, you know, also feel. Um, Thank you so much for being here for this, like I said, monumental moment. Is that... Does that work? Monumental moment in, in monumental. time. This is, yeah, you finished <laughs> the book, so it's monumental. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I, I appreciate it. You know, we didn't war as, as, as much as I thought we would. But No, uh, you know. I'm not going to bring you on to, to for us to argue, you know, to, to have a, a real legit argument. No, yeah, I have no, is. I have no, there's too much negativity and toxicity out there on the internet and I have no business contributing to it. So <laughs> um, where can people find you on the internet and are there um, any special projects or anything that you're working on that you want people to know about? Yeah. So you can find me on TikTok um, at new better, do better. Um, you know, you can find me there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram and you can find me on YouTube All new better, do better. Um, I'm also on Reddit. Um, I don't know why, because this is like a terrible, <laughs> terrible place. Uh, but shout out to the people on Reddit who do show me love. But there's, Jesus, the people that are just there on a different type of time there. Anyway, um, I am currently teaching classes. I'm teaching the Silmarillion, as it were. I'm teaching New Better Do Better's Guide to the Silmarillion. So I have my last two classes coming this Monday and Tuesday. And then December classes are, you can enroll in December classes now. So if you want to do that, you can go on my uh 
You can go on my TikTok and click the link in the bio and you can enroll into the classes. New Better Do Better's Guide to the Silmarillion. And it's me literally teaching the entire legendarium of the Silmarillion. We also have a podcast, me and uh, my co-host, Callie Cosplay, and you can find us at Voices of Arda, A-R-D-A, Voices of Arda. Uh, that's on YouTube, that's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. So hopefully you guys check me out in those places and voila. Yes, all of that will be linked in the episode description. Um, I was on an episode of Voices of Arda. I wasn't sure if it had Ooh. come out yet, but I think it's, yeah, it's again... Out. Everything has been such a blur of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, go go check everything out if you want to comprehend the Silmarillion on a on a on a better level of understanding. Definitely look into those classes. We enjoy, I say we, the listeners and I enjoy having you on and hearing from you. So I'm sure the classes are just as as wonderful, um, except for my stupid voice is not a part of them. So they're even better. <laughs> Love your voice. Love your sense of humor. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org. The cover is by Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishan Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash Pod. You can follow the podcast on social media at Pod, And you can follow me on TikTok and Twitter at MCWhatsApp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support the podcast, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Pod to see the different levels of support that are available. But again, I appreciate any level of support that you want to show. And all patrons for the month of December will be receiving a little something special in the mail just for the holidays, nothing crazy. So one... If you are a current patron, make sure that you have your mailing address updated in your Patreon information. And two, if you want to receive that little something something, sign up and become a patron. And if you want, you can delete your pledge at the end of the month. Or you can become a sponsor like Christina. Christina, thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. It means so much to me here at the end of all things, how many times have I said that? No, but really, we just finished the Silmarillion. That's incredible. So thank you for being here to support me through this time. And hey, speaking of that, the end of the Silmarillion, we're here. So now what? I have a list of a couple things that I want to do. They're all random and there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. So I will just be doing it in the order that I want to. And that makes the most sense for me in terms of scheduling and planning and recording. And actually, in the month of December, I'm going to take a few weeks off. It's the holidays. It's crazy. I have travel plans. I have plans with friends and family. I have to wrap presents. And that takes me entirely too long. So I'm going to take a few weeks off and regroup so that I have a plan of action for 2023. So there won't be an episode next week, but come back the week after that and we will be discussing letters from Father Christmas. As I understand it, this is a book of letters that Jolkin Rolkin wrote to his children from Father Christmas, as they call him over overseas, over yonder. (laughs) Um, and that sounds really wonderful and wholesome and I'm excited to dig into it thank you so much for having me on yes oh do you have any parting words for the audience uh man if you knew better you do better and that's what I'm talking about (laughs) that was fun it was like both of our little catchphrases (laughs) 